0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, and we have a great show for you on this Thursday. We'll hear from Pelican center Derek Favors in just a little bit, but a very special guest for you to start off, and that is David West, played with the New Orleans Hornets at the time from 03 to 2011, the longest tenured uh, New Orleans Pelican slash Hornet in franchise history, and he joins us right now. David, appreciate your time. How are you holding up right now? All good.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. What have you been up to lately? How are you been staying busy during this hiatus? There's everyone that's been doing, you know, different things from their house. What have what you been up to to kind of stay busy during this time?
1: Uh, well, I've got three kids, uh, so that that's the number one priority. <laughs> they've they've kept me pretty busy. Um, you know, I've just like everyone else, I've just conducted business from from this computer, a bunch of Zoom calls. You know, staying connected. I've got a few different. Few different uh, business initiatives going, so I've been able to stay in, stay in touch pretty much just like everyone else. Um, you know, obviously it's been difficult not being able to travel, um, but again, working on working on new, new ways to uh, to do business and engage people in the business world is really what what uh, what I've been doing in the last I don't know last few months during this uh, this pandemic.
0: Uh, One of those things, if you don't mind talking about, is the PCL, the Professional Collegiate League, as you are the COO. Um, What is Mm -hmm. behind that project? How long has that been going on? And kind of tell us a little bit more about the league.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, it's a a project um, I took on maybe a little over a year uh, now. Um, I found out about these guys a couple years before I retired. Uh, Great initiative. I felt like something that uh, I wanted to put my energy behind because the potential impact of – you know, creating another opportunity for guys coming out of high school, guys who are in their college uh, age careers, who again the college system may not be the best choice for them. They can't, you know, take that <clears throat> take that step into the NBA ranks just yet, but are still looking for uh, an opportunity to grow and develop themselves. You know, between the ages of eighteen to twenty
0: how crazy is it now that the G league is going to be maybe one of those opportunities for players. And you talk about, instead of them going overseas, which was normally been the route for a long time. Now the fact that your league could be one of those that players can be drafted out of, you know, as soon as they play for a year or so.
1: Yeah. They, you know, the G league has made a point to, uh, they're going to go after the, the cream of the crop um, players, you know, obviously I think to more so to protect the NBA, uh, you know, because, again when you got guys who potential number one number two number three draft picks you don't want them outside of the you know the grab the grip the grip of the nba because ultimately you got a guy that could potentially be a franchise player 10 12 15 year career ahead of them so i think the sooner those guys of that level get into the nba the better um but that still leaves about you know, 4,000 kids out there that are playing, looking for opportunities. Uh, like I said, over 700 kids this year in the transfer portal alone. So we know that kids are looking and seeking uh, other opportunities. We just want to be a, be another option for them.
0: Absolutely. It seems like a great project. Looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Now, I want to stroll down memory lane just a little bit. You, you played such a big role in this franchise's history, um, the longest tenured player here. Um, I know this is going to be tough to answer with so many memories you, you've had, but can you narrow it down, whether it's a playoff series, whether it's a certain game, whether it's your time with some of your old teammates, what, what were some of your biggest memories during your time with New
1: Orleans? Mm, um, I think initially probably was um, – I would say my rookie year was quite an experience because of the players that were on that team, the caliber of people, um, like, uh, that role on that team. Um, and I, you know, I consider that to be probably, um, you know, one of the reasons why I was able to sustain myself and, and have a long career was because of that collection of, of men that, uh, I was able to come in under, Um, uh, like I said, being a, you know, where I got drafted and really feeling, um, the genuine desire of the team. Um, you know, it's a story I haven't really told much, but, you know, I, when I got drafted, I felt like I I should have gone higher than an 18. Um, But Bob Bass told me right out, he said, if you're, if you're available at 18, we're going to take you. And this was before I had even worked out for them. Um, You know, so it holds a special place um, in my heart, just because again, it was the place that decided like, you know, this is our guy. We're thankful that the other 17 teams didn't draft him. They made me feel like that from day one. Um, You know, and then there was always a plan around me. Um, in terms of drafting me. And I think for a player, that's always important. Um, And then, like I said, going through, having the teams that we had with, you know, that rookie team that was full of some of the best veterans, you know, the game is, in my opinion, is games ever produced, they're just productive, positive people. And they implemented the right things in me that allowed me the confidence to continue on. And then, you know, going through Katrina, going through the rebuild, getting the team back to, Prominence in the NBA, uh, making a couple All Star star teams, um, you know. Again, and just developing friendships with with uh, with teammates that I have, you know, to this day, uh, you know, have been you know been really the most precious things that I take away from my time in New Orleans.
0: What was your favorite aspect about living in the city? You mentioned it; you had to go back and forth with Katrina. You talk about not having a property, but what would be your, I guess, your favorite aspect of the city that makes it so special?
1: The food the people, the weather, um, (laughs) real simple
0: trifecta right there.
1: Right. Right. Um, you know, just no place like it. I think the, the, the people obviously are unique. Um, I love the food. I kept my, you know, a guy that was, um, um, a friend of mine, Pat, who was, um, a chef down there. I kept him, I keep in touch with him to this day. He still sends me food every now and then, um, (laughs) when they've got, he's got some, some tasty stuff going on, but, um, it's just, like I said, it's just the, the combination of all of that, um, you know, enjoying the weather, the fact that you can get pretty much good warm weather throughout the year. Again, the people are warm and welcoming and, um, you know, you don't have that flavor, that mix anywhere else um, um, like New Orleans.
0: And Mrs. Benson talks about if you love the city, it will love you back. And I feel like that was the way with you. And that's kind of been the message of some of the young guys, you know, Zion Williamson, some right. of the young stars the Pelicans have. Do you, do you feel like that's kind of the sentiment if you embrace the city that will definitely embrace you back?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. If, you you know, you, you, you are you know, make yourself known. Um, and, again, just being personable, I think that goes a long way in a place like New Orleans where everybody says hi, hi everybody speaks to one another. Um, you know, just being able to recognize the the energy of the of the city, um, you know, and then not be, you know, not be overwhelmed by you know something when you're introduced to something new. Like I remember when uh, I it was like my first or second year, and and I was on I think Veterans Boulevard, and these guys were like hunting the crocodiles in the <laughs> in the in the canal, and yeah. I was like a little taken back, but it was like I you know, found out what was going on. And like you know, every year they come through these canals, so these guys make sure they don't get. So it was, you know, again, but it's something that you've got to, uh, I guess, appreciate because it's, that's like a little quirk, um, you know, that's unique to to New Orleans.
0: That's interesting. You know, I live right off Veterans Boulevard. I haven't seen anyone crocodile hunting yet, but I'm going to have right. to keep an eye out for it in case it happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It was like, it was real random. I remember when uh, there was something about them and these guys would just ride, like there were people tracking the canals, just make sure there weren't any coming through the, uh, you know, through the pipes or whatever. So it was, um, again, something
0: that's just quirky about New Orleans, but it makes it a very unique place. That's crazy. Um, I want to go back to the 7 08 team because that was a, v- a very special team here um, in the city of New Orleans. And I know Chris Paul has touched on it a little bit. The chemistry of that team, guys getting along on and off the court, and I feel like it's a very underrated aspect of a team, whether it was that 0708 team or just teams now in general, you know, with a lot of changing of stars going from one team to another. Um, and I feel like you can compare it a little bit to this Pelicans team um based on the fact that as the season grew, you can just see the chemistry and everyone gets along on and off the court. Um, uh, do you believe that chemistry is a lot bigger aspect for a team's success than you know some may think?
1: Yeah, I mean it it's everything. Um, you know, you've got to have chemistry from the top down and from the down, you know, from the bottom up. Um and You know, with the team, you know, you've got to be able to, you know, mix personalities sometimes to the – or you. I wouldn't say this is the case with the current team, but you Mm -hmm. sacrifice talent sometimes, you know, for character and making sure that personalities and things blend because uh, NBA season is long. There's a lot of emotions involved. Um, Game-to-game emotion is high and intense. So, um, you know, it's important that the guys like each other. I think that's a very, very important part of an NBA locker room is that the guys like each other. They like coming in every day and talking to each other, working with each other, um, and are unified around, you know, whatever team goals that, that, that they've set for themselves. Um, I think that there have been teams um, like OKC did it, you know, I thought early on with Durant and Westbrook and Harden and those guys where they were building through the draft and they were building sort of a cohesiveness – um, in personality, right, guys that were getting along. Um, and other teams have tried to, you know, work in that vein. I think as we've gotten smarter, more information has come out. There are more people involved in some of the decision-making. Um, people understand the importance of ha- having guys on the same page and literally just having guys that like each other, like being around each other, because um, those are the environments that tend to get the most out of players.
0: Do you feel like you and Chris took it upon yourselves to be the ones that kind of made sure the team stayed on the track that they wanted to go as far as that chemistry? Did you feel like you two were kind of the leaders of the group to kind of make sure that the train was still staying on the tracks throughout the entire run?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, we just didn't, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, like, I hate talking about myself, but like, you know, we're not bad people, you know, like, we, you know, it's just like you wake up, you, you work, you're working on doing the right thing. You're thinking about the right things. You know, you're organized the right way in terms of, you know, what what would work, what won't work, what's right, what's wrong. Um, and I think, you know, it was just a natural thing. Um, you know, the people that we had around the organization, you know, were good people, weren't bad people. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we didn't have conflict. But again, when people are just, I think generally centered around doing the right thing, you know, um, thinking the right way, wanting to get the most out of their time and energy and effort, um, I think that sort of sets the sets the basis for the for the for the environment of the team, um, and so it wasn't anything that we did out of the ordinary, other than you know just be ourselves and be confident in who we were as individuals. And then I think the pieces that came, the guys that were there, um, it was just because you know when I got to the to, to the Hornets at the time, PJ Brown was there, and like PJ is like one of the best people you know you could ever mm-hmm. Be around um steve smith was there stacy Ogman was there so these guys at all you know these guys were like a certain type of way you know like do the right thing work the right kind of way and it was like a you know pj just played game so i never saw the 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 downside you know cp never saw the downside as a rookie. It was always, you know, stable veteran people, veterans people who were working and grinding and figuring out ways to get better every single day. So we never got a chance to be corrupted, you know, when we were young. Um, you know, and that was like I said, that was a testament not just to us but to people around us and the, the other guys we had on the, on the team.
0: Sort of a lead by example approach which kind of takes me to some of the players that the Pelicans have now with such a young group coming up here. To J.J. Reddicks, to Drew Holidays, the Derek Favors. I know you've interacted with all of them during your time in the NBA. How important is it for a team like this to have a few guys like that who are more of lead by example, more of guys that will work with you in practice, not, a, not necessarily a verbal leader, but one that can kind of take you aside or one that can kind of help you grow in this league because there's a lot of pressure with some of these younger guys that are, are trying to make it right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you always need, like I said, you need guys that are wired the right way. Um, and quite simply like guys who wake up in the morning and, you know, are just focused on doing the right thing, whatever that is in their individual life, like whatever the right thing is in your life. Um, I think you always, you always get the best out of people, right? Or the people that are wired that way, get the best out of themselves. Um, so again, any team that has young players, any team that has, you know, a unique mix, a blend of talent, of age needs needs steady guys need you know need guys who are just gonna you know do what is organized do what's right you know what i mean do what the team is asking for who've understood who understand you know the importance of being coached um that's that's probably the the biggest part of this thing as well and um i think he hasn't he hasn't disappointed he's not going to disappoint he's a he's a he's a he's a a go-getting type of player where he's gonna go make things happen i think you he had a stretch of games where he scored 20, like 20 points in a, in a row, or whatever, a bunch of different times. He's a guy that's going to go make it happen um, because he has this, you know, that explosiveness that's just un, unreal. Um, I think he, mentally he's going to be able to conquer a lot of guys before he even goes up against them. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that I think can recognize that and is going to take advantage of that um, as often as he can. Um, You know, so I think the sky's the limit for him. He's obviously a franchise-level, game-changing type player. Um, You know, I think, you know, again, he's got to continue to evolve. I do like the fact that he goes in the post. um, I think – and I do like the fact that he knows he's bigger and stronger, maybe not height-wise, but physically, um, you know, just being bigger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, know, something that's been interesting to see – Um, With him in a small sample size, you can definitely tell that, you know, the future is bright for him. All right. Last question for you before I let you go. I'm going to honor you commissioner for the day. It's something that I have all the power in the world I can do right now as hosting this podcast. And of course, everyone's talking about returning the play at some point here, which seems Mm -hmm. like there is getting a little momentum. If you were commissioner for a day and got to choose the way that teams came back, how would you format it right now?
1: Mm, well, I would probably. <clears throat> I know they're talking about going to Disney, but what I would probably do is I would probably send um, uh, all all the playoff teams to Disney. I wouldn't bring. I wouldn't bring the. Um, I wouldn't bring the entire NBA back. I'd be separating the maybe eight in Vegas, eight in Disney. But if all sixteen are at Disney, fine. Um, and then I would just. I would have a few. I would use the the general playoff bracket one through 16 to be like the preseason warm up games. And then I would go to the traditional playoff model. So, you know, I'd match up like whoever the, I think I saw it the other day, the one and 16, right. Two and 15 and let them play, um, you know, get back in the the swing of things and then um, have a cutoff point where we switch back to the traditional playoffs where one plays eight on from the East and West. And then you figure out who's the champion at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, curious to see how this plays out. A lot of different scenarios floating out there, so I'm curious to see which one they choose. But the good news is, it seems like hopefully basketball will return in a, in a couple of months here. David, I really appreciate the time. This was fun getting to know you a little better and kind of hearing from you, um, checking up on you a little bit. Um, I hope this is not the last time we get to talk. And I appreciate the time here.
1: Absolutely, man. I'll um uh, I'll uh, you know keep you uh keep you guys on my list, man. Appreciate Absolutely. it.
0: Absolutely. All right, we just heard from David West. Time to now talk to another big man from the Pelicans at his starting center, Derek Favors, who joins us now on the pod. Derek, it's going to be so good to hear from you. How are you and your family holding up during this time?
2: Man, I'm glad y'all called me and wanted me to do the interview. Um, My family's doing good. You know, we all stand safe. We all, um, you know, spend a lot of time with each other. And, you know, just just looking at this from a from a positive standpoint, you know, as far as just, being uh getting more closer with each other and just you no know, just spending that quality time that I normally don't get during the season with them. So it's been a I mean outside all the negative stuff, it has been kind of a, a blessing for me.
0: Yeah. As far as we'll get to your kind of workouts in a second, but as far as the family time, what have you all been doing to keep busy? What are some of the things you've been able to enjoy with your family and your kids?
2: Um I mean, really just just getting to know them again pretty much as crazy as that sound. <laughs> like I say just during the season you're always on the road, you're always going to this place and that place. City to city and you know you barely get a chance to really spend like good quality time with them. Not just with the kids but with my my just the whole family. So it's really just just getting to know them a lot better now just being able to spend time with them and and go to um you know like little family get-togethers and and um have like um family get together at houses and invite all the kids and just get to catch up with everybody. And and just, just feel, I want to say a little normal for a little while while I don't have to be on the road and go to this place and that place, this place and that place. I could just, you know, be in Atlanta and just, you know, just spend good quality time with them. So I think just getting to know them a lot better.
0: No, yeah, no, that's definitely a great point. Something I'm doing with my daughter right now during the stage of her life, you know, you, you don't get to really, hang out with them as much as you want during the season. And now you kind of have this breakup and especially with all the uncertainty and, and tough times going on. It's certainly good to have some normalcy in your life right now. Right. I also saw on your Instagram, um, you're doing some working out. I see. I'm sure that's been part of your regimen here during this hiatus, but what are some of the things you've been doing that to, to stay in shape?
2: Yeah, I have. I, I just started maybe, um, two weeks ago, I think I want to say, I just decided to, um, Started working out because, you know, after the season got canceled, I just, I just wanted to give my body a, a rest, a break, and just get away from basketball for a little while and, and try to take advantage of this, of the little break. But, you know, right now I started back working out with one of the trainers that I work out with in Atlanta. And right now it's just mostly just cardio stuff, just trying to stay in shape, making sure um, that I strengthened up a lot of the, the small muscles that don't get a lot of attention during the, during the season. And I'm just, just trying to make sure i I remain healthy, stay healthy, keep my body in shape, just in case you know the season started back or you know if not, then you know I go into the off season you know continue to do the same thing, so just make sure I stay in, in shape, Just a lot of cardio stuff right now
0: absolutely yeah you 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 were going through some injuries during the season with your hamstring and your back. um how are those feeling right now and and how much did it help for you to able to get that rest during a time where normally you'll be you be playing every other day. The fact that you are getting this rest now, how important is it for your body? Uh, they kind of keep you fresh in, in case you do come back.
2: That's no, very important. Well, um, doing this little break, um, break or whatever, I've been paying like giving a lot of attention to those areas, my my lower back, my hamstrings, making sure I strengthen those and keep those loose, and make sure I strengthen the muscles that I'm supposed to strengthen to to you know keep those healthy. And um. Man, just, just really just getting my body back to 100%, really. I think, you know, during the season, some, some stuff happened and um, it kind of affected me, so I've been paying close attention to my body now and just trying to make sure that, you know, whenever the season starts back or if it does, if it doesn't, or going into next year, going into next season, you know, I make sure my body is 100% and I'm well-conditioned and just making sure my body can, um, can hold up the, uh, for the whole season.
0: Yeah, we're certainly hoping that the season does resume with the Pelicans in it. We won't get into that. but I know everyone is rooting for uh, the Pelicans that hopefully have some games left this season. Um, as far as talking to your teammates, you know, we've had some other players on before with J.J. Reddick, Drew Holiday, Nikhil, Jackson. Um, a lot of good communication between you and the guys um, during this hiatus since all of you are quarantined in your, your separate homes in different places. Um, how much have you been able to communicate with them and just kind of check up on each other?
2: Uh, we have group text messages. Um, We actually had a a Zoom. um, I think everybody got on the Zoom meeting one time and just talked to each other, catch up with each other, see what we all was doing and just have a conversation. But, um, no, I think we keep in touch probably, you know, once or twice a week or once or twice every other week. You know, we all talk to each other. We all um, text each other. um, You know, comment on Instagram when one of the guys posts a picture or video or something. So you know we all try to stay in touch with each other as much as we can during this. Um I know it's it's kind of tough sometimes with you know we have kids. <laughs> right. You know, you can you can barely get to your phone sometimes. But no, I think we all I think we all do a good job of just keeping in touch with each other and, and, and checking up on
0: each other seems like you all are really a tight-knit family, a really close family. And and the fact that what struck me about what you just said is that at some point in one Zoom meeting, you had every single player on there. Do you find that that could be rare with an NBA team? As far as, you know, we talked with David West about this a little earlier, about how chemistry I think sometimes is an underrated aspect of a successful team when trying to get 1 through 15 to be on the same page. But the fact that during this tough time, you all are able to rely on each other Um, Does that just show everyone and show you guys how close you are with one another on and off the court, even though, you know, a lot of you, a lot of these guys you just met this year based on this is a fairly new team.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, with the NBA, you know, it can get kind of tricky because, you know, guys got their own lives and, you know, they own responsibilities. But I think with this team, because we got such a young team with a lot of young guys, you know, they still in the, some of the guys are, are, they don't really have responsibility yet like that. Yeah. So it's a little easier for them to, you know, get to their phones, but you no, know, with the vets, with me, JJ, Drew, Etuan, all of us, you know, we, we all do a great job of just making sure that we check in with the guys and and see how they're doing and just make sure we, we're present with them. And, um, I mean, like you said, we got, we got a good team, a lot of good guys on this team that, you know, really enjoy hanging out with each other and communicating and, and all that kind of stuff so I think um, this is definitely one of the underrated things about this team you know we got a good we got good chemistry with everybody on this team each guy have good chemistry with each other.
0: Is that a role you take pride in you know joining a, a younger team being one of those veteran leaders as you mentioned is that something you take pride in um, when this was kind of gonna be your destination here uh, when you signed uh, or when you were acquired here? Um, from the Utah Jazz, um, being a mentor, kind of being that guy that can help some of these young guys uh, here with the Pelicans?
2: Yeah, it it was kind of new to me. You know, being with Utah all those years, I was either the young guy or, you know, it was just a mixture of of maybe one or two young guys and then everybody else is around the same age. But um, coming to New Orleans, I was – I was um, I was excited for the opportunity just to be around the younger guys and get to know, um, you know, the, the guys that came from the Lakers with, with Lonzo, Josh Hart, B.I., then getting to know Zion, Jackson, Nikhil, getting to know uh, Jaleel Okafor, Frank Jackson, all those guys. No, I kind of – I was excited about that because I knew those guys was going to kind of look up to me and kind of, you know, come to me for advice and, and look to me for leadership and stuff. So um, – no, I was was definitely excited for the opportunity and I enjoyed it. I I mean, I'm still enjoying it man. I I love it, man. Just being around these young guys, man, it's fun. It it, it
0: reminds me of when I came in my rookie year and I'm just enjoying the experience. Uh, We talked to Jackson Hayes a couple of weeks ago on this podcast and he brought you up specifically about someone that he's kind of relied on and you've been a mentor to him in, in his first year. You know, these are some guys that, you know, are not even in their 20s yet and, you know, have a lot of spotlight on them based on being early draft picks, uh, Jackson number eight, Zion number one. But uh, your relationship with Jackson, what have you kind of learned from him, you know, and as a leader? And also, what does he, what, what he meant to you? And what is his potential like, you know, just seeing him here in his first season?
2: Man, Jackson got a lot of potential. He can be a really special player in this league. And, you know, he kind of reminded me of myself when I first came into the league my rookie year, I was 19, and um, I was in a situation where I had to play behind, um, you know, Alex Jefferson and Paul Millsap. The same with him, he's in a position where he has to, you know, play behind me, um, sometimes Lil Okafor and Zion, so he just waiting for his chance. But, um, man, he has a chance to be really good. And, you know, some of the things that I learned from him, man, just <laughs> just watching him, you know, in practice, Always kind of laugh to myself because when, I mean, everybody see the highlights that he do in the game, but, you know, he does those things in practice. You know, sometimes I have to tell him, like, hey, Jackson, you shooting me. I mean, <laughs> you got to save these, man. You got to save those legs. You don't have to, you know, come down the lane and, and try to tell the rim down every single time. But, you know, that reminded me of myself because I was doing that my rookie year then I had to learn. But nah, man. I mean, he's he's a fun guy to be around. He's always, you know, asking questions. Him and Zion, both Angela Oakford. You know, they always asking questions. They always um uh, wanted to get better. And they, they're good, humble players. You know, they come in every day, they work hard, they um get in early, stay late. And um, you know, they they just great players, man. I enjoy being around them. I enjoy, you know, having that leadership role for them. And um Jackson, man, he's he's going to be a special player in this league once he, once he figured things out. He's going to be a real special player.
0: It's scary the almost dunks that he creates. You know, sometimes he gets fouled. Sometimes he jumps from, you know, basically the three-point line, it seems like. And he's had these almost makes that would, you know, <laughs> rock the NBA Twitter world if he able to convert him. And it is scary uh, to see what he can do, you know, when he, he has a, a few years under his belt. Some great points there right. about Jackson. Um, I should have talked to you about this whenever you were uh, talking about what he'd been up to. but. For me, at least you can tell me if I'm wrong. I've noticed that it seems like you've taken more of the social media uh more, just interacting with fans, um, whether it it's different, you know, views that you have, or or just even I I noticed as a wrestling fan myself or one from the from the nineties that you were talking about wrestling a little bit. Are you are you taking this time also to maybe explore social media a little bit more, like Twitter and Instagram, or just something that you've kind of tried to maintain consistency of during the season?
2: Sort of both. I yep. wasn't um I wasn't consistent with social media, you know, in the past years or even this year. But you know, with this time out from from playing and stuff, I um, you know, you know, I don't have, really have nothing else to do. <laughs> Pretty, yeah. I've done everything I can at home, so I I just decided to just you know get on social media, be a little bit more consistent with posts and on Twitter, and try to post pictures on Instagram just to interact with my with the, um with my followers and fans and stuff and. You know, I kind of enjoy it now. You know, at first I didn't enjoy, enjoy it, but now I kind of enjoy it. I, I kind of like have enjoyed enjoy the interaction with the fans and just, you know, just maybe tweeting out, like, the little wrestling quote I I tweeted out on, like, the top five wrestling. Yeah. It, it was just something that was on my mind, and I just tweeted it out. And, um, you know, I got some good responses from it. It was pretty fun, the debates and everything. So, I mean, it's something I'm going to keep trying to do, just try to be consistent with it. And um, you know, just have fun. You know, just want to have fun on social media. So just probably just have fun and interact with fans a lot more. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more consistent with it.
0: I'm sure there are a lot of wrestling fans that listen to this podcast. You, you have one in me right now. I don't really watch it anymore, but I think you would agree that those, you know, Raw's War Era days with Stone Cold and The Rock and Mankind and oh, Undertaker. Yeah. Those were kind of the best years. Did you have a favorite favorite wrestler during that time? That you kind of you kind of either related to or, or just really enjoyed watching?
2: Oh man, I was addicted to that area that era. Yeah. <laughs> um I think, well, um, I mean, I don't have a a clear cut favorite because I enjoyed it so much. But I, I think um I mean obviously I like I like Stone Cold, Steve Austin. I was a big fan of The Undertaker. Now I like The Rock sometimes, but I was more like Stone Cold Back then, because I had a, another friend, uh, one of my best friends, he he uh, used to watch it with me. His favorite was The Rock, so I
0: couldn't
2: agree with him. I had to go with somebody else. Um, I oh, don't know. I liked a lot of guys back then, man. I just enjoyed wrestling a lot, and uh, that's part of my childhood, part of my life, really. So, it's just something I just enjoyed.
0: Yo, no doubt. I used to you know, beg my parents, let me stay up an extra 30 minutes to an hour to finish Monday Night Raw every Monday just so I can <laughs> right. see how the match is ending because I, you know, no DVR back then and didn't want to, you know, didn't want to find out from someone else what happened. I can totally relate to that as well. And so you certainly miss those days. I just saw it on Twitter and thought I'd at least ask you about it because I think a lot of yeah. people miss those, the attitude era, as they say, is um, with The Rock and all of them. So pretty cool. Yeah, they had They
2: had a great storyline too back then, great storylines.
0: It was kind of back then, like, when rivals, you know, really took place. It seemed like even in the NBA there were more rivalries, you know, yeah. at that time. It seemed like there's rivalries in, in wrestling as well during that.
2: Yeah, it was, man. It was a it was a great era, just put it that way. <laughs> wrestling it was a great era.
0: <laughs> yeah, we might have, have another podcast just on, on focusing on that. We'll get to that oh, uh, maybe time. at yeah. another time. Um, before let you you- Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before I let you go here on uh, some unfortunate news uh, last week with the passing of Jerry Sloan, someone that obviously meant a lot to you with your time in the Utah Jazz. Um, just first of all, just kind of what he did mean to you um, in your time in Salt Lake City.
2: Yeah. So when I when I got to uh, to Utah, I think that was when he already kind of re- resigned already. Mm-hmm. So he he wasn't a coach, but he was always around in practice um, during the games. Sometimes he'll come in the locker room before games or sometimes he'll come after the game, but he was always there before he kind of caught his illness, but he he was always there a lot. And um, I had a chance to talk to him a few times and, and um, it it was something that I cherish because he's a, he's a legendary figure in the NBA world. And also in Utah, he's like, no, outside of Carl Malone and John Stockton, you know, he's, he's probably bigger than them in Utah. So, um, I man, he, he, he every time I see him before the game, after the game, you know, he'll stop, we'll talk for a couple of minutes and he give me great advice on things and you know, he was he was just a wonderful guy to be around and you and you felt that energy from him when you when you saw him. Um and I know that's I mean it was devastating when I heard the news, man, but you know, he, he was he was a great guy, great coach. Um I mean, you don't think about the Utah Jazz organization, not think about um Jerry Sloan. You no, know, he is that organization. He is the face of that franchise pretty much. And um, I mean, it was just devastating news, but you know, that's just you know, how life goes sometimes. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And he'll certainly be remembered in Utah and across the NBA, you know, at watching yeah. the last dance, you kind of got a little bit of his personality there from from some of the things, you know, of course, when they scored 54 points and, you know, he was joking about that, it was how many he scored in that game. You saw the different side of Jerry Sloan that some may not see, you know, when following the NBA. Do you have a, a funny story or a memory from him that, you know, on the lighter side that you, you would like to share, just something that whether he said something to you that, you know, really stuck out to you or or just one of those moments like that that we saw in the last answer, anything that sticks out to you about um, some of your interactions with Coach Sloan?
2: Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't – you know, spending that much time with right. him. By the time I got there, he already um re- resigned as the coach. Yeah. But um, like I said, like before games, after games, nice to see him. We'll talk for a couple of minutes. And I mean, like you say, man, he's a totally different person off the court than he is on the court. Like off the court, he's the, the nicest guy, just most respectful, just, just totally different person. But when he's on the court, he just fired up tough and everything. But, um, I don't really have anything like not like a special funny story or nothing like that. It was just every time I saw him, he'll speak to me, he'll talk to me, he'll, he'll uh, let me know what he saw out there, what I can do better, uh, what I need to work on, how I need to approach certain situations during the games. Uh, he just always just just gave me advice, and um, no, that's something I appreciated and and I cherish a lot. And um, yeah. yeah, like I said, just. He's definitely going to be remembered as one of you know, the the best coaches in the NBA and you know, just one of the, the the best human beings ever, in my opinion.
0: Well, said, so Derek, I appreciate you sharing some thoughts on Jerry Sloan, and I really appreciate the time here today. I know we're going through some uncertainty right now. I know there's a lot of speculation about what may come with the NBA return. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but hopefully... I'll be seeing you real soon. Hopefully, we'll be talking about some basketball. And um, stay safe. Enjoy your time with your family right now. And we'll touch base in a little bit. Uh, you too. Thank you. Thank you. About wow, two great guests today on the podcast. Again, big thanks to David West and their favors for hopping on. Certainly enjoyed hearing from both of them, checking in on both of them on what they're up to right now. And again, hopefully, we'll be talking about basketball resuming play uh, fairly soon, but still no word yet on if and when that will happen. We'll have another great podcast for you next week. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. And until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelican Podcast presented by C.